in 2012, I was on a ski trip with a good friend of mine, and we were sleeping in our car um, near Mammoth, and we had planned to ski at Mammoth the following day. And that night was like one of the coldest nights on record in that area. And we woke up the next morning and our car was completely frozen, couldn't turn it on. That was Wiley Robinson, co-founder of Rumpel, who just articulated exactly how he ended up in the blanket business. Welcome to Uncooked, a podcast serving up raw insights for marketers as we hear the unfiltered truth from industry experts, brands, and the target audiences we serve in their own words. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, and today on Uncooked is my guest, Wiley Robinson, co-founder of a company called Rumpel, that's R-U-M-P-L, known for making blankets that use the same performance materials typically found in premium outdoor gear and activewear. So when I interviewed Wiley, he was sitting in his home office in Portland, Oregon, and the backdrop outside of his window were treetops, literally, as far as the eye could see, like he was living in a treehouse somewhere. And it actually looked like a scene from the Twilight movies. I'm embarrassed to even say that I watched them because I kind of expected a few really good looking vampires to be flying around at any given moment. Anyway, it was the perfect outdoorsy vibe for our conversation. So without further ado, let's dig in. Thanks for having me, first of all. A little bit about myself. I live in Portland, Oregon with my wife and one-year-old son. I'm originally from San Francisco, and I have been a designer my whole life, both through education and also professionally before starting Rumpel. Also, just a really avid outdoorsman, a lot of mountain biking and surfing and skiing. And Rumpel is sort of a hybrid of both of those passions, design and the outdoor industry. So I'm sure we'll get into talking more about that. But that's really been my inspiration from the beginning. Cool. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how Rumpel started? And maybe why don't you start with the name? What's up with the name? (laughs) So the name Rumpel is an onomatopoeia. So the word sounds like the product behaves like Slurpee or Kapow or something like that. I love it. And the idea with the name was really just that with these products we make, you would never fold them or press them and you know neatly tuck them away in a cupboard or something. You would kind of just rumple it up and throw it in the corner of your bed or on your couch or something like that. I love it. I really didn't go there. I, of all the things <laughs> that I thought you were going to say, I didn't think that was it. So I'm happy I asked. Why don't you tell everybody just about how Rumpel started initially and just talk about the products that you're selling? The business started originally, actually sort of even before it was a business. In 2012, I was on a ski trip with a good friend of mine. And we were sleeping in our car near Mammoth. And we had planned to ski at Mammoth the following day. And that night was like one of the coldest nights on record in that area. And we woke up the next morning and our car was completely frozen, couldn't turn it on. So we pretty much had to just wait there for somebody to show up and and help us out. We had no cell service. It was too far to walk anywhere. So in sort of a, a sketchy situation we found ourselves in. Oh, wow. Yeah. But despite that, we were actually pretty comfortable wrapped up in our sleeping bags and We got to talking about how we really liked the materials in our sleeping bags. And because of these great materials, we didn't feel like we were in major danger. So you had already planned on sleeping in your car that night? Yeah, that was the whole trip. We were sleeping in the van. We did some surfing and then headed east into the mountains to do some skiing. Two sports of gear. That's such a California West Coast thing to do. (laughs) Yep, definitely. It was during our uh, Christmas break. We were both working at agencies at the time. And I think we had about 10 days off in a row and piled into the car and drove down the coast and did a bunch of great surfing and then headed east and went into the mountains. So you're in the van and you're freezing Yep. and you're 
sitting there saying, you know, we're really lucky that we have these sleeping bags on us right now. Exactly. Is that what you were thinking? Exactly. That's exactly what we were thinking. And we both got to admitting, I guess, that we would often use our sleeping bags on our beds back home after we had washed our duvet cover. You know, I hate washing the duvet cover and then wrestling with getting the comforter back in there. Yeah. And so often what I would do is, it, you know, for a few days at a time, just put the sleeping bag on the bed until I finally got my act together and put the comforter back in the duvet <laughs> cover. <laughs> um, but that's just because the sleeping bag was so cozy and very familiar, really easy to sleep with. And that's sort of when we thought that maybe it makes sense to use some of these sleeping bag materials on just a blanket. And you can, of course, just unzip a sleeping bag and it does essentially the same thing as a rumple blanket. But the purpose build of the blanket itself to not have those zipper features and to really be intended to be a blanket was was a new and novel idea at the time. Now, a lot of people find themselves in, whether it's a comedic situation or, you know, a sketchy one like you're talking about, but everybody has great ideas and they'll say to their friend, And they'll be like, you know, we should really blah, 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 and start this thing, or we should really create this. But then there's like, but nothing happened. So what was it about this particular situation that made you actually do something with this idea and produce the first blanket? Well, the first ones we produced purely just for ourselves. We made two of them. We went to a local fabric store, picked up some ripstop nylon and some generic hollow fiber insulation and sewed up the first two versions of Rumpel. Okay. And that was kind of the end of it. And we both had them and used them. And a bunch of our friends said that this is a really cool product. I'd like to have one of these too. And still pretty unsure if this was a reasonable idea, if more people might like this, we decided to do a Kickstarter. This is in 2013. Kickstarter was really kind of blowing up, generating about a quarter million dollars in revenue and pre-sales in about 30 days. And that told us that this is really a viable idea. How did you get the word out at that time with Kickstarter? It was honestly just our own personal social media. Okay. You know, our own Facebooks. And we were lucky. You know, I mentioned that Kickstarter at this time was getting a lot of media attention. So we actually got picked up by a few media sources. Oh, cool. I think on the second or third day of the campaign, Business Insider wrote a piece about it. We just had a bunch of really good, fortunate press early on in the campaign, which really propelled the campaign and allowed it to keep generating more sales. Yeah. So at that point in time, what did the press find interesting about Rumple for them to pick it up and write about it? Honestly, the most interesting thing to them at the time, at least to the Business Insider article, which was by far the biggest one, was the fact that it was two guys designing bedding. And it had sort of this technical, sporty spin to it, mm-hmm. which was very different than most bedding out there, which is largely geared towards women and you know soft floral palettes and everything and we had these kind of technical materials with more bold colors really performance driven features and just sort of the story that the analogy we drew in our storytelling to our love for the outdoors and our love for these materials and those translating into the bedding that we would select if we could design bedding I specifically asked Wiley about following through with the idea because we all know that there's no shortage of good ideas out there but they very often die on the vine The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, they say 20% of new businesses fail in the first two years and 45% fail within five years. But what's important to bear in mind is a startup has really two important characteristics. So the first is there's potential for huge growth and is hopefully scalable. And the second is really about innovation. So they're always testing some kind of an assumption about their technology, their product or service that theoretically hasn't been tested before. Rumpel nicely checks both of these boxes. 
So a startup essentially is a business experiment. And we can learn from Rumpel because they first created a prototype for something that they wanted themselves, essentially. They gained traction among friends and family. Then they tested the viability via Kickstarter. They got some lucky press and promoted all of it on their social channels. And all of a sudden, they had a solid foundation for a business. Very cool. Gary Vee talks all the time about how lucky we are with the tools that we have at our disposal today to start a business. And he's not wrong. We realized that blankets were this really unexplored category, and it's a ubiquitous category. Everybody has a blanket. But despite that fact, and despite the material innovation that we've seen in outdoor gear and athletic apparel over the last you know, three, four decades, really very little of that technology has flown through into this category. And it's the perfect application for a lot of these technologies. So that's the first thing that we're trying to do is really upgrade the category from a material standpoint. But the more interesting thing that I think is why Rumpel has become a well-loved brand is the fact that the product category itself, blankets, are highly emotive, right? Like you wrap up in a blanket to feel warm and comfortable and cozy and safe and all these things. And despite that fact, there are very, very few brands that own that experience that the user has with the product. So one of my favorite questions to ask people is, how many blankets do you have in your household? I would ask you right now. Let's try it. How many do we have? Well, we have a lot. Yeah. So besides the one on the bed, I mean, we have like at least five on the first floor. Sure. So let's for speed, let's say you've got 15 throughout the house. I would argue it's probably more, but let's just say 15. Okay. My follow-up question is always, okay, name one brand of blanket. Mm. Yeah. And it's so interesting because you have this experience with the product that's highly emotive. It's a good, comfortable experience by definition. And there's no brand owning that experience. Mm -hmm. So there's no Nike of blankets. Right. And so what I think is more interesting, you know, the the material piece of this is obviously really important, but what's more interesting is the emotional connection that we're able to create with our customers for a product category that is innately emotive. So your blankets, they're made out of the material of a sleeping bag, right? Yep. A sleeping bag or a, you know, puffer jacket. And so it's that shiny material. Yeah. So what do you say to the people who are like, well, I I just really want to feel cozy. And I don't think cozy when I think about those high tech materials. Well, I would definitely ask them to give the product a try because you'll find that it is quite cozy. And in addition to providing warmth and coziness, I think that the real value that Rumpel provides is you can take these things anywhere. You know, you can take them out on your patio at your backyard or camping or whatever. And they're not going to pick up debris and pine needles and leaves and grass and all sorts of things that a a wool or a cotton blanket would pick up. Right. So if you think about spending time out on a patio, it's really nice to have a blanket at night. And there's really no good offering out there, in my opinion, besides rumple. Yeah, I think that's true. Fire pit weather, all that good stuff. Yeah, exactly. The Puffy Blanket is a modern, high-performance version of the everyday blanket. It's designed to keep you warm and cozy anywhere you go or when you don't go anywhere at all. When we spoke, you mentioned this phrase that I hadn't heard before. You were saying you're thinking about active homeware for everyday performance. So I just wanted to dig into that a little bit of, you know, what is active homeware and why do people need that inside the home? So this term active homeware was originated early in the life cycle of Rumble. And probably not long after this Kickstarter campaign, where we were trying to figure out what our future holds, what our roadmap looks like. 
And the idea of active homeware is one that you could take a lot of the performance materials you find in door gear, athletic apparel, camping gear, whatever, and apply them to everyday homewares. So not just blankets, but bedding, sheets, towels, robes, slippers, even flatware, you know, that might stack and nest into itself and be more space efficient, the same way that camping cookware might. Right. So that was sort of like the big, broad idea that we had in the beginning. And over time, we really whittled that down and decided to just focus exclusively on blankets. So the origin of active homeware was actually, frankly, when we were much more bright-eyed and distributed in our thinking. And we focused quite a bit, the brand and company have focused quite a bit to just focus on blankets because it's really hard to do so many things as a young company. You have really limited resources. And for us, there's enough growth room just in blankets. But active homeware is sort of the big idea that we started with and have since whittled down just to this blanket category. It's like building these sort of more innovative, more performance-driven pieces that could live in the home. Got it. Especially because for people like me and my friend that I founded the company with, we are very much, you know, the idea of home is sort of like indoor-outdoor, whether it's in the actual home, literally, or in a van or a car, and we're sort of on the move in and out of the home. So these products that you can take in and out from those two experiences are kind of what we were trying to design. The pandemic has impacted the way that we socialize and outdoors being the safest route these days. But I like how Rumpel is expanding the definition of outdoors to go beyond hardcore camping and also expanding the definition of home to be wherever you feel cozy and comfortable. I think it's important to note the emotion though that Rumpel is tapping into. When you think about any blanket that you've ever purchased, you probably can't recall the brand name, but you can recall how it made you feel once you reach for it. I like their ambition of being the Nike of blankets because being a ubiquitous item like that, eventually with branding, you become sought after, appreciated, and then asked for by name. When I was doing some research on Rumpel, I realized that the carbon footprint of your brand and organization is really important to you. So do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what you do exactly at Rumpel and if, what other mission or cause related things that you focus on? Sure. So Rumpel is a climate neutral certified brand. And what that means is that each year we total the amount of carbon that we put into the air through the creation of our products, the shipping of our products from our factory to our warehouse, and then also to our customers all of the carbon that we emit through our own facilities, our office, all of the carbon that our employees emit when they drive themselves to work. And we tally all that up and we offset it. We purchase carbon offsets. And we think that this is a worthy self-imposed tax. It's actually, frankly, pretty cheap these days. Carbon offsets are in relatively short demand. So there's a lot of them available. And we think it's an appropriate thing to do just the same way you would pay somebody to remove the trash from your facility. When you say a lot of them are available, can you just explain for people who don't know what that means? Yeah, there's just low-hanging fruit carbon offset activities. So you can tarp um, garbage dump. You can plant a forest very cheaply. You can do all sorts of things that are sequestering carbon that are relatively easy to pull off. Got it. Now, the prices for those offsets will go up over time as presumably as demand for carbon offsets increases. There's more companies doing this now, and they should be doing it, frankly. And so as demand for those offsets goes up, the price will as well. Okay. Who do you consider your competitors to be? You know, there are some brands out there that make a product that essentially is a rumple. It's a 
performance blanket with either a ripstop nylon or a polyester shell, and then a synthetic insulation or a down insulation in it. Those are generally coming from mostly outdoor companies. You know, Kelty makes one, Patagonia actually just released one, the North Face makes one. But we see our space as being a little bit, I mean, we're rooted in the outdoor, of course, but we do see our category and our customers as not necessarily as hardcore as some of those brands. We definitely serve people that are just using it out on their patio or on their couch or in their backyard, and they're not necessarily always camping with the product. So there are clear one-to-one competitive products, but the positioning of the brand, I think, is much different than those businesses I mentioned. So why don't you talk about your positioning of the brand and who exactly you're attracting? At a really broad level, I would say that anybody that uses performance textiles in their daily life is somebody that might be a customer of Rumble. So if you wear a puffy jacket to go grocery shopping or just around town, that is somebody that probably would benefit from using our product because they know the benefits of the materials. They're familiar to them, and presumably they like them. So it's a very, very broad swath of consumers, but more refined, that would be probably consumers in the 25 to 40-year-old range, median to high income, we skew slightly female, and it's people that fancy themselves as outdoorsy. So they're not necessarily super hardcore or spend that much time outside, but they do fancy themselves as outdoors and enjoy being outside. We like to call them outsidesy. Outsidesy. I like that. You know, I like to talk about the fundamental DNA of a brand, the characteristics that remain unchangeable no matter what you're actually selling. So I'd love to understand what's in Rumpel's DNA that's considered to be distinctive and unchangeable. I think that the attention to detail and the quality is a must for us. We release products relatively slowly. Generally, we're just changing out prints and colors from season to season. And that's because we take a long time to really design these products to be exactly what we want them to be. So that is really important. I think that we sort of touched on it with the climate neutral relationship, but we're 1% for the planet brand. We're on our way to becoming B Corp certified. Uh, We're members of Conservation Alliance. So some things that are unwavering there are just our commitment to be a responsible business. That will never change. And honestly, you know, I think the big thing especially in relation to some of those larger, more core outdoor brands that I mentioned, is that Rumpel is really approachable and fun. While it is a big mainstream brand, the North Face is still, the core of that brand is like the hardcore mountain climber swinging an ice axe on K2. And Rumpel is very, very approachable in that sense. So we don't generally show imagery of super hardcore pursuits, and it's generally people kind of just having fun in the outdoors. So I would say that that's a big differentiator for us as well and something that will remain, as far as I know, forever. (laughs) I keep seeing this theme over and over again with the brands that I've had on the show. They become these beloved brands and attracted not just customers, but cult-like followings as they all seem to follow the same formula. Seriously, write this down. The first thing they do is to create a company rooted in values larger than themselves. Secondly, They focus on being the very best at making a few things amazingly well versus doing many things that are just mediocre. And finally, they tap into an emotional need versus a demographic profile. These three elements really do comprise the formula that every company should be evaluating themselves by right now. Have you articulated a brand purpose statement for Rumpel? 
Like, I know you have a mission. Can you talk a little bit about that? I can show you this. This is a little packet that I created that we give to all employees. This is our long range plan, but in here has our full brand pyramid. Oh, I love it. And actually, I'll send you our brand book as well. I think it might be something that you enjoy. Absolutely. Strategy Geeks Unite right here. Yep. So this is kind of like the top of our pyramid here. Yes. And we don't necessarily call it a purpose, but we have a brand motto or brand statement, which is blankets for everywhere. And what that means is really what it sounds like, where we want to be able to bring blankets in and out of the house seamlessly, easily, and have them perform really well, both inside and outside. Right. The mission statement is to introduce the world to better blankets. So I've touched on this a little bit, but this is sort of a a two-part statement. The first piece is the technicality and the materials that we're bringing to the category for the first time. And then the second piece of that is that emotional connection that we're trying to create with the customers. We see that as really like the secret sauce with Rumpel. And the unique value proposition is that we're we're bringing this emotional connection through things like B Corp and Climate Neutral and 1% for the Planet, some of our great artist partnerships. Those are all things that establish connections with the customer as they're using the product and why they would choose to buy it over a competitor. How would you say that Rumpel is improving lives in some ways? So do you think it's about enabling people to be outdoors more and more comfortably? Because you talked a lot about being able to kind of seamlessly go in and out of the house. Well, I think generally speaking, we can say that we're improving lives. It's a bold statement, of course, but I think we can say we're improving lives by keeping people warm and comfortable in the outdoors when they might not otherwise be. I would like to actually call attention to a more important program, I think. We have a program called the RAD program. It's the Rumpel Artist Division. And in 2020, we decided to focus almost that entire program on representation of Indigenous artists. Oh, cool. And the reason why we did this is, you know, that Indigenous look and aesthetic that you see on blankets and apparel and luggage and everything all over the place, most of that is appropriated art. And we were guilty of doing this before we learned a lot ourselves and our customers helped us educate ourselves about this. And so we really focused in 2020 on highlighting real indigenous artists and telling their stories. And then a percentage of all of the blankets that we sold in that program were given back to the First Peoples Fund. Oh, cool. So that's something that I'm really proud of that we did in 2020 and we'll be continuing in the future. So I would say, yes, we're keeping people warm and comfortable outside. That's improving lives. But I would certainly prefer to highlight the RAD program and what we gave back there. Yeah, that's really unique. My name is Darby Raymond Overstreet. I'm originally from northern Arizona, but right now I'm based just north of Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I'm enrolled in the Navajo Nation. Uh, So I'm a digital artist and a printmaker, and I create mixed media work, but um, my focus in my work, I study and work with and create Navajo uh, pattern designs. Unfortunately, most of the time, it's not Native artists who are putting it out there. It's made by non-Native people, and it's usually their idea of what Native American culture and or Native American style and art like should look like, but they're not asking us to create the designs. They aren't um, lifting our voices. And then that renders us invisible kind of to the greater society, greater culture. So the design that I created for Rumpel is, I call it a star pattern. It's my vision that my artwork can kind of provide that perspective and be an opportunity for people to have a real connection to um, my people and my culture.
How long have you been in the retail space? How many years did it take you a while to kind of grow into that because you were initially online or did you start that at the beginning? We did get approached by some online retailers in year one. So it was like Huckberry and a couple of others that came and and thought the product was interesting and thought the brand was interesting. And we sold into those accounts pretty early, like year one, we had some retail presence. We didn't really establish a good in-store program until probably two or three years in. And that was largely just because we hadn't quite figured out how to communicate what was going on with the product at retail. It's much easier to communicate all the features and benefits online because you can have multiple images, you can show it in a variety of settings. But in the early days, we just had the logo rumple on the stuff sack. It didn't even say blanket or anything on there. So the retail accounts we did sell into, they'd have this pill-shaped stuff sack sitting on the shelf and customers were like, what is this thing? I don't know what this is. <laughs> so we've developed some techniques. First and foremost, we say blanket on the stuff sack now. Right. And then we also have a nice flipbook hang tag that tells people about what's going on. And we really encourage our retail accounts to actually pull one out of the stuff sack and have it on display. Yeah. So that's right. really important too. I could see that being really the sale right there is seeing one of these and touching it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In my mind, shopper marketing has always been a very specific skill set among brands and ad agencies, but it does seem easier to communicate when you have multiple website pages or even a long video to do so. When you think of browsing a store aisle, it's still the same marketing feat of trying to quickly attract attention, but it's more tactile with signage and hang tags and things you could touch and booklets to flip through while you're watching maybe a small digital display. It does make me think, though, about creating a workshop exercise where you think about how you would market your product if you only had retail. So no website, no social media, just what you see in the store. I think that would completely change the choices we make. It would force us to be very selective on design choices and even in thinking about what is the most important thing to say immediately versus communicating over time. Try it and email me and see if it leads you to a different brand space. I'm curious. I'm going to check it out myself. Here's a question I ask everyone. I love hearing the answer because they're always so different. Write the headline five years from now in a glowing feature story about Rumpel. Something about this startup company changed a hundred-year-old product category. That would be a big deal for me in the same way that you see a lot of articles written in that tone about the mattress in a box companies and right. all these other companies that have kind of like uprooted pretty dated categories, you know, in the same way that Yeti kind of reinvented the cooler space. Yes. That's what we'd like to be known for, but for blankets. Very cool. I'm into that. What do you need to do to make that future happen? Anything different than what you're thinking about today? So I think the key thing is what I mentioned is focus. Yeah. The brands we really look up to are the ones that do one or two things really well. And it's really tempting for us to expand our assortment, expand our franchises so that we could do, I mean, we could make jackets and sleeping bags and all sorts of other things using the look and feel and aesthetics that we've established for the brand. Yeah. But I think that it's really important that we focus exclusively on this category and increase our distribution footprint. Mm-hmm. Because there's still so many people that have never heard of this brand. Their first interaction with it, we want to make sure that blankets is the message we're driving home. And that just takes a lot of discipline from us to make sure that we don't get distracted by other categories or things that we could make yeah. in hopes of scratching you know, a little bit extra points of revenue. Yeah. 
I could see that being very tempting, yeah. especially going into bigger categories, even some of the smaller categories. I mean, but I do love all the smaller items on your website, you know, the little, the beer koozies and the masks that you have and the dog accessories. I think they're great. Yeah. Those are things that are for kind of super fans of Rumple. Hopefully they've purchased a blanket first and they kind of want more from the brand. So they're purchasing some of these accessories. Yeah. And I think that there is a future where Rumple makes products outside of the blanket category for sure. But in these early days, we're really pioneering the brand and trying to get our name out there. I do think it's really important that the first touch point that the new customer has with the brand is all around blankets and the story of blankets. One thing that is surprising, I think, about Rumple is we do put a lot of energy into ensuring that our employees are committed to working for Rumple. That's one of our key strategic priorities to make sure we have engaged employees. That's what the strategy is called, engaged employees. And we focus really hard on making sure that people are committing to their work, sort of both with mind and body and kind of integrating work with their daily life. That's at least what we strive for. How do you do that? You know, how do you ensure that your employees are engaged? Giving a lot of autonomy. You know, I think that um, the employees of Rumble have a lot of autonomy to bring ideas to the table, to escalate through the company on their own, through their own merit. And hopefully, at least, that's the result we're getting is people that are really engaged with what they're doing. I don't know that that's necessarily super unique to Rumble, but it's something that we focus on internally that we don't necessarily talk about so much externally. That's great. Can't ask for anything better. This conversation with Wiley was insightful as we think about the roles in our own businesses and adopt an experimental mindset as startups do. It keeps our thinking agile, which was especially important given the year that we just had. If we place what I'm calling focused bets, it's always about thinking, how can I create new and better pathways to my audience? Whether that pathway is introducing a new product or it's testing a new channel to communicate differently. The key is to keep creating new building blocks around the needs of your audience. I also mentioned that I keep seeing a common theme among brands on the show who've been able to build a cult following. Brands like Blackwing Pencils, Grove Made Workspace Accessories, Benedetto Jazz Guitars, and now Rumple. They all follow the same formula. They started by creating a company rooted in values larger than themselves. If you don't know what that is, it is so important to find that truth upon which your brand was founded. Second, they all focus on being the absolute best at that main thing that they do. Only after ensuring the highest quality and the best customer experience every single time do they even think to introduce a new extension. And the last part of the formula is they all tap into how their product makes people feel versus the feature function. Yes, Rumpel calls themselves high performance blankets, but they really focus on helping people feel cozy and at home anywhere people choose to be. Let's talk about selling things in retail. In the short term, we can't count on customers lingering in stores to browse and touch things when that behavior is clearly changing. But Wiley brought up a good point earlier when talking about how Rumple evolved in retail. If all you had was that shelf space to communicate, what would change? What would you say first if you didn't have a website and social to tell the rest of your story? I don't know. I think it would change a little bit. And finally, I'm going to conclude this podcast with two aspects about Rumple that really hinge on humans rather than the blankets. 
they created these little can koozies and dog beds out of their performance textiles, not because they thought our drinks were getting warm or our dogs were lying in sticks. Wiley said they created these items just for the superfans. Because you can't buy a blanket every second, but you can get a little dose of rumple with smaller items to hold you over. I just love that. Superfans. The second human aspect that Rumpel carved out was about engaged employees being one of their strategic pillars. I know everyone listening right now is going, uh, duh. But how many times are employees surveyed only when the shit hits the fan? Or when the C-suite notices a steady stream of people walking out the door? Brands who take the time to define who is an engaged employee, they hire them, then they create initiatives around their growth and retention, those are the brands that will win. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I'm Jacqueline Lieberman, founder and chief strategist at Brand Crudo, a marketing consultancy. You can learn more about what we do at brandcrudo.com. I want to thank Wiley Robinson from Rumble Performance Blankets. You can check out their cool collections on rumple.com. That's R-U-M-P-L.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this episode. It's literally the only way the podcast reaches new people, so I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening.